0: heights to the depths of the
1: For this is he, verse 3, of who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. He cried in the wilderness, trying to plead with people to come to God, to get their heart right before God. That's what John did in that desert, uh, in the wilderness. That's what he did. Now, John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. What an interesting character that would be. And he ate, you know, locusts and wild honey.
0: Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Matthew uses the passage from Isaiah 40 verse 3 to identify John the Baptist as the prophesized forerunner of the Messiah. In this role, John's purpose was to prepare hearts for the Messiah and to bring an awareness of sin among Israel so they could receive the salvation from sin offered by the Messiah. This passage Matthew quotes from Isaiah has in mind building up a great road for the arrival of a majestic king. The idea is to fill in the holes and knock down the hills that are in the way. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress.
1: There's martirio, which means to give evidence or report or to testify. Again, a herald. Yes, John the Baptist. He came to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Notice light is capitalized, and that light is Jesus Christ. He came to bear witness of Jesus Christ. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. And then look over in verse 15 of that same chapter. John very clearly knew that he wasn't the Messiah, but he, he knew his role. In fact, they came to him and said, Who are you? And he says, I am not the Christ. I'm not Elijah. I'm not that prophet in, in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 18. I'm not that prophet. But, they, but he said, This is who I am. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet said. Yes, John being the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. He was in the wilderness. He was a Levite, wasn't he? Because if his mom and dad were Levites, John had this career set out for him from the very beginning. He was going to be a Levite and probably enter into the service of the temple, just like his father Zacharias But God had a plan for this young man and it was going to be something completely different. He would take him from the hustle and bustle of a very busy Jerusalem and he would take him out into the Jordan area in that valley and it would be there that everybody would come out to hear what this man had to say and he had quite a striking appearance. He had camel's hair, a leather girdle around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And all of that brought to the Hebrew mind Elijah the prophet, because that's how Elijah dressed. Kind of a wild man, and he's out there, and he's preaching, and he's, he's, he's proclaiming, he's heralding the coming of the, of the one, of Jesus Christ. But he is out there in the desert, and he's doing exactly what God had created him to do. Do you know what God has created you for? God has a purpose for each of our lives. Do you know what it is? Are you on that trajectory? Do you want to be on that trajectory? Or is your life your own? Is your life all about what you want? I want to make money. I want to have fun. I want to go to the beach. I want to do all these things. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. We should enjoy life. But do you know that you can enjoy life and still follow Christ and be submitted to him? Believe me, since I got saved when I was 24 years old, my life has been a wonderful journey. I've not missed out on anything. Prior to 24, I did everything else everybody else did, drank, did all that other stuff. And I can tell you that all of it was the biggest waste of time in my life, and now I am living life. I feel alive, and boy, the battle is on, and everything is clear to me. The word of God opens your mind. You're like, oh my goodness, this is not just some kind of fairy tale. This is not some kind of Disneyland that I'm living in. No, this is real. And there is a fight for life. There's a fight for life, and there's a fight for death. And it's amazing. There's people out on the corner now screaming. They want their right to choose. Kill that child. Anyway, God has a plan. He had a plan for for John. And John even, in that same... uh, chapter there in John, uh, beginning in verse um, 29. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Again, God the Father giving him that understanding. And certainly, as he said, behold, the Lamb of God, what is that going to do in the mind of the Hebrews, of the Jews? They're going to be thinking of what? The Passover, the Lamb that was slain. The Passover lamb. Jesus is that Passover lamb. That type that was specified in in Exodus 12, that Passover lamb that would have to be slaughtered and the blood put over the lentil and the doorposts of the house. And anybody who was under the blood was safe, but anyone who was outside would be killed. And isn't that true? If we are in Christ and his blood covers us, we're safe. Because he died on the cross once and for all for my sin and for your sin. We have to believe in him and we can have eternal life. Jesus says that. So John, the herald, says this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he says, "I." And, and John bore witness and said, verse 32, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him, and I do not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and I have testified, and this, and I have seen, and this is the Son of God. And John will go on in John chapter three, verse thirty, and he knew his place. John knew his ministry was a very short ministry. Do you know that John's ministry was probably around six months? And yet, for millennia, for hundreds of years, and you know, we'll just say for hundreds of years, it was prophesied of what he would do. And yet, his ministry was so short. It was so short. He says, I must decrease. I've done all that I can do. I've done what God wants me to do. Now I need to decrease. But he, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, he must increase. And that's what a good herald will do. That's what a good ambassador will do, is point to the one that they serve. And John knew his marching orders very well, and he fulfilled them faithfully. And John is in heaven, even though he was beheaded by a horrible ruler named Herod Antipas. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. We're, we're almost going to get into this. But we're looking at John's life, and, and I think this is really striking this chapter, Matthew chapter 11. Of course, we'll go more in depth later on, but notice just the first 15 verses of this. It says it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities, and when John had heard and when John had heard in prison because John the Baptist was imprisoned, about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised again, Uh, they're raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And again, even this, that Jesus said, was a prophecy of Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6. So what, is, what does Jesus tell the messengers of John the Baptist? He quotes scripture to them and send, he says, send it back to John and tell him you're right on track. I am whom you know me to be. And here's the scripture to prove it. This is exactly what I'm doing. It's going to verify, John. It's going to set you at ease that your life was not in vain. Everything that you're doing right now was not in vain. I'm going to fulfill what God has called us both to do. Notice that. And Jesus As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, he says, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Did you go to see a reed shaken by the wind? What did you go to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written. And here he's quoting from Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And that was John the Baptist. He goes, he was more than a prophet. And Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. But notice this, And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So now, it becomes very interesting because we know that Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, Said this Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So they knew that this something about this John, that he was, and Jesus said, He is this Elijah who is willing to come. But then we go on in Matthew chapter 14, and we find out that Herod ultimately kills John the Baptist. But then go with me now to Matthew 17. So Jesus knows that Herod has killed his forerunner, his herald, if you will. And then in Matthew 17, what does it say to us? And his disciples asked him again, this is verse 10 of Matthew 17. Why then do all the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus answered and said, "Notice, because prior he says this is John, or this is Elijah. He came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. This is Elijah, but now that he is he is he has been killed, which wasn't a surprise to God." Jesus answered and said to them indeed Elijah is coming first and will restore all things but I say to you that Elijah has already come and they did to him but uh, excuse me but and they did not know him but did to him whatever they wished and likewise the son of man is also about to suffer at their hands and then the disciples it said understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist now this seems a little odd to us perhaps but one thing we have to realize is the implication of this is if if Israel had accepted Christ as their Messiah, and by this time in Jesus' ministry, when he said this, they had rejected him. They had rejected him, and he knew that. And if they would have listened to John the Baptist, and if they would have received Christ, the kingdom of God would have ushered in at that time. But they did reject him, and they reject the message of John the Baptist that had been prophesied. And, so the, and that's why Jesus would say to them that he, has, he is indeed coming first and will restore all things, but I say to you that Elijah has come already. So that's a little confusing, isn't it? He's, he is going to come first, but he's already come. What is he talking about? Well, John the Baptist came, and he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. But because of the rejection of Israel, this prophecy is still yet to be fulfilled. It's still yet to be fulfilled, and it's going to be fulfilled specifically in the future. And we believe in Revelation 11. Remember what the two witnesses. Many believe that the two witnesses of Revelation 11, one of them is going to be Elijah. And it's very possible. And so that's why Jesus could say, he has already come, but there's also... He's, he's, he's coming yet. <laughs> so that's a little confusing because he didn't come physically as Elijah, but he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. But due to the rejection of John's message, due to the rejection of Jesus Christ, the prophecy of Elijah in that Malachi 4 is not fulfilled yet, but it will be fulfilled in the future yet to us so let's look at verse 1. Notice what it says. In those days John the Baptist came and we're back in uh, excuse me in Matthew chapter 3. We may only get to the first uh, 12 verses here, Lord willing. But notice, so now we got a background of John the Baptist. We we found out who he is, what he's about, his role if you will, and how he is the herald of Christ. So in those days John the Baptist, notice, came preaching and that's what a preacher does. He proclaims, he, he brings forth a record, and he did it in the wilderness of Judea. And, and his, um, he was baptizing people according to repentance. It was a, a repentance, a baptism, excuse me, of repentance. Saying, "Repent for the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand, and uh, notice uh, it is a great message for us today. Repent. I think if John were alive today, the message would still be the same. Repent. And see, church, we need to turn from our wicked ways. I need to turn from my wicked ways. You need to turn from your wicked ways. See, you and I are heralds as well, aren't we? We are ambassadors of Christ. But if my life is so marred by sin and I'm, I'm still drinking, still smoking, still sleeping around and doing all these other things, if that is my life, then I'm not being an, an ambassador. I'm not being an example at all. In fact, I'm just living for the flesh. And the devil loves that. He loves for us to, to live a life for the flesh. And I've lived a life for the flesh for 24 years. Now, I'm not going to say that I haven't done a fleshly thing since then, but I will say this, prior to 24, that was my life. And such were some of us. Life given over to the flesh, just doing what feels good, doing what I want to do and reaping a whole lot of trouble and anguish for myself. Writing a lot of checks I couldn't pay. For this is he, verse 3, of who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. He cried in the wilderness, trying to plead with people to come to God, to get their heart right before God. That's what John did in that desert, uh, in the wilderness. That's what he did. Now, John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. What an interesting character that would be. And he ate, you know, locusts and wild honey. And uh, this is very reminiscent of Elijah. And yes, locusts are okay to eat. Has anybody here eaten a locust? I haven't either, but I'd like to try it. But I want to do it right. I want to make sure I pull off the wings and the legs and, and put it over a fire and just kind of make it nice and crispy, okay? I don't want to eat it with the head. I don't think you're supposed to eat it with the head anyway. So aren't you glad you come to this morning? But this is what John did. Look, look at, as a Levite... Here he is eating these locusts. And is it, is it a clean animal? It is. Leviticus 11. Again, this is just a side note. but We really need to get moving here. But this is kind of interesting because most of us are grossed out about this time, looking forward to lunch. So, it was a clean insect, Levitically, even for John. And, and, and Leviticus 11, verse 21, what does it say? Yet these you may eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours, which... Uh, those which have jointed legs above their feet which, uh, with which to leap on the earth. These you may eat, the locust after its kind, the destroying locust after its kind, the cricket after its kind, and the grasshopper after its, after its kind. But all other flying insects, thank you, insects, thank you, Jesus, which have four feet shall be an abomination to you like cockroaches, I'm glad that that's, that's an unclean animal but you know I can see a cricket or a or a locust. So when you think about that maybe consider that for lunch. In fact the kitchen ministry we, we told them in advance so they got a big a big pan of roasted locusts out here. I, I just make sure you pull off the wings and the legs because you don't want them getting in your teeth and stuff so.
0: Yeah, there's garlic
1: on them too so kind of Yes. See how easy it is for me to digress? I just... So notice verse 5. Then Jerusalem and all Judea, all the region around uh, Jordan, went out to him. Notice the consecration of John. He didn't stay in Jerusalem. He went out where nobody would be. And notice what happens when God has his hand on a life. For some reason, now he's a magnet, because when God is working in the life of John the Baptist, the Spirit of God is upon him, and people are drawn to this message. They're like, I've never heard anything like this. Somebody with authority preaching... And see, when, 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 when stuff like this is preached with authority, people take note, and that's the difference between somebody who is filled with the Spirit of God and one who is not. And how important it is for us to be filled with the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God in us if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but I need the power from on high whenever He chooses to baptize me with His Spirit, to give me power and um, um, boldness. But they went, notice verse 6, they were baptized by John in the Jordan, confessing their sins. And uh, and again, it was uh, separation. It was separation. And I love what it says in 2 Corinthians. It says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. "and Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And I love the fact that he brought them out. Because they were in, Jerusalem at this time was filled with extortion, filled with a bunch of phony business. There's nothing more phony uh, except in, in religious circles. Sometimes there can be so much phony stuff. Don't be bamboozled by those who want your money, who are, you know, you know send in your, your seed faith of $1,000 and we'll send you a hanky that the pastor blew his nose into. And we'll send that to you for a, for a seed gift of $1,000 or more. And people do it. It's crazy. He had to get them out of the mess because Jerusalem at this time was a complete disaster. He says, come out and be separate. Come out from among all the religious nonsense and get your heart right with God because that's what it's all about is our, our heart with God Come out from among all of this noise and nonsense and all this merchandise that Jerusalem may become. Come out into the field, out there in the wilderness, and let's talk about it. Let, let us reason together, says the Lord. Isn't that what it says in the prophets? And so, when, when verse 7, he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism. They were there not because they really wanted to be baptized. They were coming to find out, who, who is this young upstart. Who is this young man who's claiming to be something? He didn't come by us. We didn't give him any authority to be out here doing this. Well, guess what? It's because the authority, you don't have the authority anymore. You've been squandering it away, stealing money from poor widows and, 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 and acting like you're all pious, but inside your own personal life, you're, you're having an adulterous affairs and you're stealing money from people. The one And God is saying, the one who I'm really after and i got my hand on is Him. John the Baptist out there. And so they're coming out there wondering, you know, who this man is. They weren't there for the right reasons. And John knew it. And he says there, he says, he said to them, brood of vipers. Think of that. He didn't say, oh, I'm so glad you guys came. I was waiting for somebody from Jerusalem to come to validate my ministry. Now I can put a post on Facebook. The Pharisees came to my show. No, he's like brood of vipers. (laughs) Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these very stones." And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me, John, of course, speaking of his cousin Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry,
0: That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140.